This morning we're going to look as part of our ongoing Lent series, we're calling Repentance Toward Flourishing. This is part three. So how to flourish, looking through Lent as we take stock of our issues and our needs for God's intervention. We all have it. That's part of what Lent does. It tells us how much we need God and is turning toward the God doing a, turning toward the God we need, doing a self-assessment realizing how much we need to be saved. Um, This passage today, I have to tell you, is one of my favorites in all of Scripture. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Maybe it's yours too. From St. Paul, St. Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, lead us again. Minister, I pray the words of my mouth may not be my words, but they may be your words and the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pure and acceptable In your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Told you a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago that I got a a little pot of succulents, desert potted succulent plants for our master bedroom. It's really beautiful. And I've noticed in the last month or two since we've had them that they're growing and they're growing up and it's like they are reaching up toward the light toward the window you can almost see it's like if they had arms they're like we want the light give us the light God's people Jesus says are the light of the world And that impacts how we view the world. The gospel changes how we view people. We view people in that light. You may have heard of the young man who was a student at Parkland High School in Florida during that terrible shooting there. Later he became a gun rights activist and he had been accepted to Harvard. And he was excited about attending Harvard. That is until it was discovered 
that this 18-year-old young man had used racial slurs in an online chat room a couple years earlier when he was 16. Well, when confronted about this by Harvard, the young man apologized. He said those words didn't represent his current views. He repudiated those words. He said he was willing to do whatever he needed to do to make amends. He offered to meet with students of color on the campus. Still, Harvard rescinded their admission of this young man into their school. When he appealed to them, they said the decision was final. This makes me sad. Sad for how this young man was treated. But the story also makes me glad. It makes me glad for the gospel. For sure, racism is hideously real. We've made much real progress in combating racism and racial prejudice. But there is still a demonstrable consensus of black voices inside and outside the church that cry out to us and say, hey, look, we may have come a long way, but we're not done yet. Listen to us. And we need to do that. We need to listen. And no doubt this is true for all manifestations of sin, whether sin that's personal or systemic or individual or, or, or institutional. Sin is everywhere. St. Paul tells us that we're all in the same boat. Read Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in that same letter, Paul makes an astounding statement. He says in Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. We generate more sin. God pours out more grace. Someone described it this way once, saying simply, There is more grace in God than there is sin in us. Well, that's not all that can be said about God, grace, and sin, but it's an excellent start. We're all still alive, even though we sin, because God chooses to love us anyway in Jesus Christ. God doesn't love us only if we change our sinful ways. God grips us in his grace And it's only in that grip that we are changed. Harvard saw this guy's past sins and they tossed him away. God, in Jesus Christ, sees all our past sins and he grips us anyway. Harvard's sudden rejection of this young man reveals how tempting it is to see people from a worldly point of view. But Paul says here in verse 9. And it makes me more grateful that the triune God of grace offers a gospel that is nothing like the gospel of Harvard. There is no light in Harvard's enlightenment here. There is only darkness, solitary confinement that awaits those who are cast out for their sins. Cast out from the temple of knowledge. What a glorious contrast our triune God of grace is. Where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. 
unlike Harvard's banishing the sin stain from among them, the biblical God embraces sinners in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear. We all have more sin than we can atone for. So much sin that is so ingrained in us and that owns us that our own efforts to overcome it will never be over. Enter the good news. Romans 5.8 While we were set sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinning, Christ included us. This changes the way we look at everyone. This changes our way of seeing the world. We see the world in this light. This is what Paul's saying here in 2 Corinthians 5. This means, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The summer of 2019, I attended a wonderful conference at St. Andrews, Scotland. I love Scotland. I've been there four times. Bruce Simpson was here for Hilltoppers this week playing bagpipes. It was wonderful. Made me homesick for Scotland, my adopted home country. Oh, I love you, Scotland. I, I love Scottish people. They're so exuberant. And it's a, it's a wonderful literary culture without being pretentious, you know. Oh, they're so, it's a wonderful place. Maybe we'll take a church trip there sometime. I was there. I feel a calling. I was there at, at St. Andrews in the summer of 2019 for a conference on reconciliation. And I heard Dr. Amy Peeler from Wheaton speak. Now, Amy was a friend. Her and her husband were colleagues of Jill and mine at Princeton Seminary. She was working on her PhD, and Jill was finishing up her MDiv while I was on a sabbatical there in uh, in uh, 2007, 2008. Now, Amy is at is at Wheaton. Great person, and she gave a wonderful talk on the gospel of reconciliation and around this claim. And she said the old debt system is passing away in light of this passage. The old debt system is passing away. There is now an economy of grace. God reconciles the world. God does not render transgressions to the world. God does not put a charge on the world's account, even charges that are legit because of failure. Instead, God put upon us a ministry of reconciliation Humans become the effectors of what God has already begun to do. Those converted cannot view others according to the previous world system. Let me read that again. Those converted cannot view others according to the previous world system. If God is willing, Amy said, if God is willing to cancel, if God is willing to cancel all of the transgressions, then how can I enforce them? God forgoes what could have been reckoned. How can we do anything different? These are Amy's words. Remember the parable of the unmerciful servant? 
in Jesus' teaching? The guy who received mercy and then wasn't merciful and it went bad for him. Those reconciled to God must see everyone differently. Our neighborhood, which is incredible, it's awesome. We have like 10 kids in our neighborhood. And our son Jack is very popular with them. They will stand on the street and call up to us, Is Jack home? Is Jack coming out? And they'll ring the doorbell. Ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, ah, oh, we're going to the doorbell change or something. We're going to have to, it just rings and rings and rings. Is Jack coming out? When is Jack coming out? One of these little ones, I won't say, I'm not going to say their name publicly, but one of these little ones tends to be rough on Jack sometimes. They are bigger and they've used their size physically on Jack. Now Jack is very gracious and caring. Much of the time Jack gets along well with this child, but sometimes this child gets out of hand around Jack. Same age as Jack, just bigger. And just yesterday, or yeah, it was yesterday, this fellow eight-year-old spit on Jack a bunch of times. They've been spitting on him several times now. This after Jill and I warned them about their behavior this week. Took them aside and warned them. Well, dad was not happy, to say the least. You cut to the chase, I was having trouble seeing this child from a gospel point of view, you know. <laughs> Don't spit on my kid, you know. I just looked at her, I looked at the child, I said, you're in big trouble, and I shut the door. Jill and I had a good conversation with this young person's mom this week. Now, this, this child was adopted out of a very rough situation. Okay, I won't say any more than that, but it was very rough. The mom is a hero, right? Very tough. And we took some time to pray with their mom yesterday for the child and for her. I needed that because I needed in that moment to remember this child, not from a worldly point of view. I I needed to see this thing within a different reality. I am not just Jack's dad. I am Jack's dad, and those things are important, and the child was grounded, and that needed to happen, but there's a bigger picture here. We are ambassadors of reconciliation. Now, I admit, like I said, when my kid gets spit on multiple times, being an ambassador of reconciliation is not my first response. (laughs) But then, when I live in Christ, and not just in Matthew... My lens changes. These other identities, husband, dad, property owner, to me, they become secondary, important, but secondary to my primary role as a son of God swept up in Christ into our father's courtship of the world, into a saving, transforming life in union with Christ. We don't let behavior like this go unchecked and and the mom dealt with it and that's important. But there's a bigger picture because a reactive, punitive approach 
is necessary sometimes, but it will never, ever be sufficient to transform. What a tragedy for Harvard to deny this young man entrance. It's a betrayal of their mission, really. As Christians, you know, imagine if God rolled that way. We would not exist. We would all be toast. We would have been flamed out long ago. It'd be game over. So knowing God's all-sufficient grace in the face of our collective relentless rebellion, knowing that, well, when you really know that, you see the world with a whole new set of eyes and you see the world in that light. I simply cannot regard the kid who spits on my kid from a worldly point of view. Well, who's the spitter in your life? What are they spitting out? Your kid's life, your life, your spouse's life, your neighbor's, your work, your in the, in the wider culture as well. Who are you and I tempted to write off as just a spitter? Away from me, you're in big trouble and we shut the door. We're disgusted and dismayed. Pastor theologian Jonathan Lehman has written that the foundation for how we operate toward the world is God's grace. This, this church is, a, is, a, is an embassy for the kingdom of God. We happen to live in America. I love being in our country. I was an American studies major, journalism, an American studies major in college, American lit, American history. It was awesome. I love it. We can love that, but then also realize we have a bigger perspective. We are a embassy. We are an embassy for the kingdom of God. And that's our ultimate representation. That's what this is. This ground is kingdom ground. Even as it's American ground, it's bigger. It's kingdom ground. And we stoke a flag here for God's reconciliation with the whole world. And then we see the world in that light. And this relensing of life through the gospel, this new way of looking at people through the gospel, that transforms how we look at the spitters. And it transforms even how we look not only at people, but even groups of people or situations. So from now on, we regard no one. In Greek, the word is udes, which can mean no one or nothing. So it can mean no one, or I think it can also apply to broader just perspective on people, but also groups of people and situations. Our view of how we perceive individuals and of situations made up of those individuals is forever relensed. It's reset. It's transformed. It's like putting on a new set of glasses. Oh. So, for example, in this conference, after Amy's talk, there was a breakout session. They had, they had dialogues, and Amy was dialoguing with another professor about how to apply this, Patrick Smith. And they said, well, think of it this way on a broader level now. What if a lower-income housing area was being built in your community? And people were aware of the impact that this is going to have. And some people were scared about the dropping property values in the community. Well, what's our response as people who don't see anyone any longer from a worldly point of view? We don't see the housing situation merely as a matter of economic arithmetic. The church now speaks up for newcomers and stands up for newcomers and makes sure they're not mistreated. Now, that's not... 
that's not mutually exclusive with also taking care of your neighborhood and all those things. But you see the point. The reaction, the lensing changes. Or say, for another example, say a group of Muslim refugees was slated to move into our area. So maybe there would be some who would be afraid of Muslims. What would it mean to not regard these Muslims from a worldly point of view? It would mean letting go of fears, right? And trusting God and seeing these persons not from a worldly point of view of fear, but seeing them through Christ and through reconciliation. In these situations, we Christians salt the earth. We don't assault the earth. (laughs) We salt the earth by engaging our community in a way that rather than being captive to our fears, is captivated by this new vision of reality. A new vision refocused on the gospel. A new vision sold out to possibilities of what might happen to us as we live as reconciled to Christ and seeing others that same way. That's how we flourish. That's how the world around us flourishes. That's how, like my succulent cactus plants, reach up for the light. You watch what happens when Christians do that. The world will start to turn toward God's people and God's embassies because we'll become venues for that light. Well, flourishing means we have to constantly, daily, sometimes throughout the day, check in with my vision. How's my vision? How's my eyesight? How am I viewing this situation or this person or this group of people? Am I reducing them to their worst selves? Am I only seeing them as my worst experience of them? Ah, she's just a spitter. Shut the door. Or am I seeing them as my worst stereotype of them? Oh, not them again. Or do I see the endless possibilities that come from seeing them in Christ and transformed? That's the difference between flourishing and dying. It begins with what we can see. Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the body. When we see our neighbors, our friends, even the spitters around us, in light of what Jesus has done, in light of who they are to Jesus, in light of who they could be in Jesus, it changes everything. We see them in a new light and we become that light. As we see them in that light, we become that light and soon, watch, you'll find, at least in some cases, people will start to turn and reach up And flourish, we become the atmosphere that helps the world to flourish. New creation breaks in. May it be so for you and for me. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, there is evil in the world and it would destroy us. And it is active like never before. And we are vulnerable to it as well. And we are overwhelmed by it as well. And sometimes it's hard to see people in light of your gospel and not just within that evil and yet we are chastened and hastened and heartened by the words of saint paul here to see the world in the light of the gospel to dare to do that lord help us to see the world in that light 
and ask such to be the light. Forgive me this week for seeing my neighbor as just a spitter. Help us, God, to deal with those things, but to see the broader picture. So from now on, we regard no one, nothing from a worldly point of view. God, give us vision, eyes to see, that we might be your light, and that people might turn toward your light in us for flourishing and previews of what is to come when you come. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen.